Welcome to Reflies, everybody. I'm Ryan. I am Josh. And I'm Greg. Oh, I hate you. I love that dead air. I hate you. And today we are going to be talking about food once again. One of the staples in our food pyramid of Rumor Flies is the food episode. I hate myself for saying that. Um, Was that intentional? No, kind of. I don't want to explain it. So, uh... First off, we've done these episodes tons. I don't think we need much introduction. We're going to do a deep dive or, you know, just a little survey of different food myths around the world and mainly around here, actually. I think just judging by the topics that I'm looking at right now, it's getting kind of a... This is a more of a chemistry type of, of episode than just, you know, uh, Coca-Cola had, you know, crack in it. Spoiler alert, I have no chemistry in my notes. Well... <laughs> <laughs> I have a little bit. I'm kidding. User research may differ. <laughs> we can say that about every episode. Your results may vary. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> in a very, very big flurry of, oh shit, we should have talked about this beforehand. Do we have anything to say up front before we actually jump into the episode? Otherwise, it's going to be the fastest intro we've ever had. Uh, actually, I'm really, really excited about this episode. What I'm really excited about is my dubstep side project. It's <laughs> <laughs> such a piece <laughs> of shit. I hate you so much. You know, Greg, play it. Just you, play, play it. Put it at know, the end of the episode. I really hope you can. You got a name? Greg, that song's pretty good. I think you should do a collaboration with my conservative house music group that I'm starting oh, up. Oh, no. Conservative what? house music. Yeah, okay. there's progressive house music, but if you're a conservative oh, house music. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay, that's good. Uh, get off the stage. Uh, I like to be a little bit obscure. My acoustic house music. <laughs> Uh, one of my favorite, I think, Hard Times or Onion articles was Calvin Harris cancels entire tour after he loses his USB. <laughs> so wait, wait, wait. I, I'll plug something here because they don't need they don't need any publicity, but it's a fun time. I follow the Onion on Instagram, and it is just a good time every time I'm scrolling through my feed. You know, an onion's a food, it, so it's, that's fine. Yeah, there we go. Uh, that I just read these headlines, and it always makes me do a double take unless I notice the green, like the the onion green color they use for everything. But if I don't notice it and I read the headline, I always go, wait, wait, what the fuck? And I'm like, oh, it's the onion. Okay. But it's still, it gives me a good laugh every day. go, wait, wait, don't tell me. And you know what? Here's the two plugs before we jump in. And now I've ruined the, the quick intro. Yeah, whatever. Uh, I'm just going to give out two books. One of them is uh, The uh, Drunken Botanist, which is a very good book on, it's a survey of herbology, gardening, and also, and how it all works in the cocktails. Uh, one of nice. my friends gave it to me for uh, nice. Christmas. And it is, I had actually been wanting that book, and it is amazing. It is awesome. And the other book would be on food and cooking by Harold McGee, which is my culinary Bible. It, it is a very deep dive, but you can learn everything in it. Well, I feel silly now. I got, I got something to plug. Okay. Happy birthday, Ryan. Oh, thank you. I know this is well past your birthday whenever this HBD. is released. But happy birthday, Ryan. I actually have two birthdays now, but I will not explain that <laughs> until later. So, first topic of the night is one that I'm surprised that we have not covered yet. Eating local honey will cause you to have a better resistance to allergens in the area that you are going to be in. Personal story with this. Okay. I had an ex-girlfriend, emphasis on the ex, that fully believed this. Like her, She was not from here. 
Uh, well, <laughs> funny enough, she wasn't from Louisiana, nor was she from the United States. We don't take kindly yeah. to folks <laughs> these parts. <laughs> she was not from the U.S. Wait, where is she from? The Philippines. She was born in the oh, Philippines. Oh, shit. I wasn't even thinking about <laughs> that. Sorry. <laughs> Purge from memory. Yeah. Uh, she was not from here. She was born in the Philippines. I don't then, see nations, Josh. Yeah. that's Hey, good on you, man. Good on you. We need more people like you. <laughs> um, she wasn't born here, and then she moved to the U.S., and then wasn't from Louisiana, and moved down here some time ago. But her allergies were very bad, and that's that was her method to combat her allergies was buy local honey and put it in her tea or coffee or whatever it is. I don't know if you put honey in coffee, but whatever. Well, not to be gotcha journalism, but it is what it is. How did it work for her? Terribly. It didn't work at all. Okay. Well, we're going to go ahead and talk about why it may or may not have worked at all. So... <laughs> The general idea of this rumor... I'm sorry. It didn't work with her. It didn't work with me. Our pets' heads are falling off. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the general idea behind this rumor is that pollen collected by bees and honey can lead to a resistance uh, to any allergies in the area. And it kind of goes along the idea of like homeopathy, where little bits at a time uh, can actually give you a resistance to something. Mithridates. Yes. Do you know who that is? No. It's Persian king who ate a little bit of poison. I'm like 90% Wait, sure. Wait, we've mentioned him on this show. I'm like pretty sure I've mentioned mentioned him at least five times. He was the, I believe he was Persian, who would eat a little bit of poison to build up immunity to it. Mm. Turns out, And then he tried to kill himself by drinking poison and he couldn't because he was resistant to it. So Princess Bride style. Turns out you can't build an immunity to spears, but you know, well, it's whatever. <laughs> you haven't tried. I just keep stabbing myself a little bit every day. So... On the surface, that's so stupid. That is, I know. <laughs> I mean, how does David Blaine get the needle through his hand? Who knows? So, anyway, uh, that's really the long and short of this myth right now. I don't need to get into any more history on it. It's been going on for a very long time as soon as uh, immunology and allergens have been a studied field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. However, uh, this is kind of a more recent study. Uh, the University of Connecticut posted a, well, published an article in the Annals of Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology in 2002. And what they did was they took three groups of allergy sufferers, poor people. And not, not, I'm not saying it was poor people. I'm just saying those poor people for having those allergies. No, they, they lacked the wealth and income to live, you know. They did not bring lives. poor people off the street and just like force them to like a bunch of allergies. Take syringes of like allergies and shove it in their mouth. Or please, something. please keep uh keep digging that hole yeah, and backtracking. Yeah, right? I want to I want this to continue. <laughs> there's a five across. There's a five across the room. A little bit of a Lincoln right there. You just have to walk through this field of daisies in order to get it. So, what the actual study was was they took these three groups, split them up, and it was a relatively big sample size. Uh, not giant, but it was still enough for this study, apparently, to get published in uh, this publication. Okay. And what they did was they took these three groups, and they had one of them that was subjected to, uh, over a course of about three months, uh, local unpasteurized honey okay. from bees of the area that they were in. The other group was exposed to commercial honey. And by exposed, I mean they had them consume it on a daily basis. Big honey? Yeah. And the, st and the third one was just Big honey. as a control or placebo group was high fructose corn syrup. I was going to ask if that was it. Yeah, that makes sense. So this is a pretty fair study as it goes right now. I no need for it, a yeah. double blind in that case, as long as you don't tell the participants what they're taking. <laughs> yeah, that, that kind of, yeah, that ruins it. Turns out there was no effect between the local group, 
the commercial honey group, and the high fructose corn syrup group. You hear that? Okay, I guess I'm going to have to bleep something for once. <laughs> That'll be fun. <laughs> That's going to be fun. Uh, so, <laughs> jump, uh, so jump again to this. Why did this happen? Why was there no difference in allergy resistance in those poor people? Because that means they still smeared those allergens in their faces afterwards. Ryan, their financial gains or losses is not relevant to their immunization. Yeah, so I could go by that study, but let's talk about exactly why this happens. And I just picked up what you said. (laughs) (laughs) So number one, we're not 100% sure what's in any given honey sample you're taking. It's the, it's the bees making it. It might be botulism. We don't know. We've already talked about botulism. <laughs> yes, we have. Yes, and we that have. is an important factor in there because you're not going to build up your baby's allergen resistance from birth because you might give them botulism. <laughs> uh, it turns out that even though, yes, honey is one of those uh, things that supposedly does not spoil because of osmotic pressure. It can kill a lot of bacteria because of the high sugar content in it. It still doesn't stop it from things like mold spores and other highly resistant bacteria from being in that honey. Which, you know, is kind of weird because I actually do have a couple of jars of, uh, not only jars of local unpasteurized honey in my house, I have a couple, about 100 pounds, I think, of Mexican honey in my house. Are you hoarding honey? I make mead. You I, like the mead I, that I gave to you. I do. I've drinking it every single drop, every single time. And if I got time. it for free, I mean, I could just have my own honey business outside and not tell them so where I, I got it So I accidentally forgot one of your balls that rolled in the back of my trunk. And it sat there for like a month in the summer. It's fine. It doesn't spoil. It actually decrystallized. So I, so I drank it. And I will say, I liked your mead a lot. That one oh, had the mead, some. Oh, the honey. Oh, no, the mead. <laughs> that one had some uh, character. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, did, a, did I give you one of the sediment bottles? I mean, I don't remember. You gave me a couple of bottles. It, it wasn't the sediment. I, I know sediment. This. These flavors are not created by sediment. Listeners, if you want some Orion's honey, for the $250 uh, <laughs> tier, you get Ryan's sweet, sweet honey. Nectar of the Ryan's. It also turns out <laughs> this wow. episode is so on track. No, I'm loving God. it. This is like season one rumor flies, yeah, guys. It's terrible. <laughs> Why are you listening? So, more importantly... Don't turn us off, please. (laughs) So, let's talk about allergens. Guess what? Local, like, these seasonal allergens that people get are not from just, like, sticking your face in a bunch of flowers in a field. Oh, yeah. Or even from things that are done by pollinators. So, with all these pollens that people have, which is the main allergy that people talk about, you have a couple of different groups of them. And the main two are flowers or trees or any other sort of fruiting body that pollinates via insects or bird. It turns out that there is another classification of how things are pollinated. Wind. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> this is what most people are actually allergic to is wind-borne pollens and allergens. Yeah. Okay. That so makes total sense. Essentially, if this honey myth had worked, the happening would be a non-starter. I mean, if the, the happening itself is a non-starter. Okay, that's very true. But it, I was we, gonna say, <laughs> <laughs> and this is somebody who doesn't mind watching that movie. I don't. I don't hate that film. Everyone else does, but I don't. Well, can you imagine just like in the happening where like Mark Wahlberg is like sitting there, like, why are all these people killing themselves, and why are bears not killing themselves? <laughs> oh, they're actually eating all the honey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's say these non-suicidal bears. <laughs> um. 
And it turns out that, you know, <laughs> in some world, the revenant is like the spiritual successor to the happening in some capacity. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so in terms of how to actually combat these uh, honey, like, it, well, not the honey, since the honey doesn't work. How do we combat these allergens? There's a few things you can do. This is one of the situations where a little bit at a time actually can help build up an allergen resistance. And that's why we have something called allergy shots. One yeah. issue with those, though, is that they do work. But most people don't know that starting an allergy shot regimen lasts about three to five years. Yes. Yes. You have to you have to stick with it. My uh, my wife gets them, actually. I've never had allergies uh, bad enough to the point where I'd have to get shots. It's but I did not know that it was that much of a commitment. It's yeah, it's a big thing. And we kind of ran into a little pickle when my wife was pregnant because she was going through her allergy shots. She ran into a pickle more than once. <laughs> <in my rock laughs> yes, I got a little boy. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> She, uh, guys, but, Josh had sex. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you hear that? Is, 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 <laughs> please, I don't care. Censor, censor I don't please care. Keep... I don't care. Real quick, <laughs> couldn't help myself. <laughs> this is probably the most callous thing I've ever said on the podcast. I highly doubt it. Oh, yeah. But are children like fuck receipts? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I kind of like it. Uh, yeah. Toilet paper, shit tickets, babies, or fuck receipts. <laughs> so that's my topic. Josh, let's move on before we get any more degenerate with this. My first topic this episode, and I'm going to read it just like I wrote it down because I'm an idiot. Milk, of the <laughs> milk is the healthiest bone for the body. <laughs> See, in my notes, I have milk is the best for bone health. Yeah, I have that Why too. Why did you need to change that? <laughs> I wrote it down, and I even Googled it, and I went, something's fucking wrong with this picture. <laughs> so, Say it one more time, just so people know. Milk is the best for bone health. Okay. It's the powerhouse <laughs> of the bone. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Love it. Um, so, I, I, okay, full disclosure, a little bit on my end. I've been, I have no bones. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I've been I've been going through my wife and I've been watching every m movie in the MCU, and I was I had Marvel Cinematic Universe. If you don't know, yes, I and I was watching Scrubs. Iron Man three last night. Well, we've seen all of them, but we're watching them again. Oh, no, I was calling Scrubs if you don't know MCU. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> Much less popular than Calcium Man three, <laughs> the bone health expert. <laughs> That's a new Eli Roth film, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, so I had Iron Man three on, and I think I was just thinking about my topic when I had to research it, and that's why milk is the healthiest bone in the body. <laughs> Got googled. I I might be the first person to ever do that. By the way, that might be a landmark moment in Google history. Just saying. Uh, but I remember growing up seeing the the Got Milk advertisements. Do y'all remember those? Please tell oh, me. Yeah. It was hard to avoid them, uh, but they were really successful. It was really brilliant marketing campaign oddly enough i don't know if i'm just woke and don't see advertisements anymore but um i have not seen a got milk advertisement in a very long time i think they did away with them i'm not entirely sure if I'm they did curious yeah i haven't seen anything like that although it might be because we're not the targeted audience which means they're saving money by not wasting their time on us yeah we're not we're not the target demographic i'm not but, part of children anymore but <laughs> but it's it was a really simple and strong uh message with with the with the milk stash going on so they had a real strong milk stash game, but 
it was really, really good. Like, I remember watching and being like, oh, yeah, I should drink some more milk. It was effective. That's the word I'm looking for. Effective. Unlike dare. Effective. But this was... <laughs> This was all just pushed by Big Dairy, of course, in order to get you to buy more milk and increase their profits. I see a conspiracy theory here. Yeah. Dare, dairy. Ah, Ryan, my man. I, I like need, it. I need to start my own conspiracy YouTube channel. What are you, what are you, what are you going to call? Fuck you, Jordan Sather. <laughs> so anyway, continue. Uh, so the heart of this issue here is calcium intake. That's the big thing. So calcium intake helps prevent osteoporosis. I didn't have to look that up. I remember from the gut milk advertisements Uh (laughs) Uh, and osteoporosis is the weakening of the bones for those in the back of the room with me all the time. Go ahead. I I wanted to mention the part that like my always big confusion was that you all have the other end of it, which is arthritis, which is extra calcium buildup. Yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, yeah. Goldilocks. Uh, So does like too much milk give you arthritis? I don't know. I'm going to get into that a little bit. Really? I I'm, actually really, I'm actually really it's, excited to hear that. It's actually not arthritis, <coughs> but I'm going to get into that a little okay, bit. Okay, cool. Awesome. So no, some of the numbers that I read is that osteoporosis causes more than 2 million bone fractures a year, with over 12% in particular being the hip. Mm. So you might see part of the problem here when I say the hip. Uh, Elderly. Possibly. Elderly, elderly, yes. or that's the big, very, problem. very common. That's very, the very big, common injury. Any fall, that's like more. And from what I understand, it's more frequent than arms or wrists. Yeah, it's like oh, the absolutely. Hip is like a big, big, big impact. Well, you got to think that if you're falling down with your arm, your natural instinct is to to use something else to get your arm out the way, and they throw that hip out. So when they when they move that their body to bring back their arm, they're sticking their hip out, and that's what hit, hits first, and that's what causes. A lot of the problems. Okay. Yeah. So, but yeah, you're exactly right, Greg. Um, so what is calcium? I'm too surprised. <laughs> so what is calcium though? It is a super useful thing that our body uses to strengthen our bones and it helps prevent blood clots, which I didn't know. Other fun things like that. Did you know it helped prevent blood clots? You know, usually in the scientific world, we like to call an element over a super useful thing. Not that you're wrong. I like my definition better. About 99% of our calcium is stored in our bones and our teeth. Suck on that, Ryan. Okay. The two ways we get calcium is from food and other supplements that contain calcium itself. And the other thing is calcium stores within our body, which I think makes sense. Like when I was reading it, that makes total sense to me that it pulls from those calcium stores if we're not if it, we're not ingesting enough calcium in our body. So you can take from your bones? Yeah. I mean, yeah, you have Interesting. to. Interesting. And your teeth, I guess. That's why they fall out. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, don't quote me on that. I'm not sure. It just sounds good. Um, <laughs> yeah, my parents made me eat my baby teeth that fell out so I get a little extra boost of calcium. My mother saved mine to this day, and it's weird. I knew <laughs> I knew somebody in grammar school that you know, too, that found all of his baby teeth and grinded up and made chalk out of it. It was really interesting. I think I know exactly who you're talking about without ever saying a name. He has um, half of a thumb. <laughs> I feel like yeah. you've mentioned this guy before. Probably. Yeah, probably. It's a very, very good, very fair. Yeah. Um, so Were you di- about to say very good friend and then pulled back? Yeah. <laughs> we were good friends at I one can, point. I just love I can just, I can just hear it. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, so the <laughs> biggest food that we get uh, calcium from is dairy products, which includes 
Milk. Thank you. That has the highest concentration of calcium per serving. So that's the big thing. Calcium per serving. Okay. So, but is milk the best? Well, most of the studies that I saw only did focus on the dairy products, which is kind of horseshit because I wanted to know, you know, does beefsteak give me calcium? I don't know. I guess I'll never know. Nobody's done a study on it. Does jelly beans give me calcium? Oh, that'd be wonderful. Yeah. Well, somebody should do a study on it. Ryan, get on that. Science dictionary. Uh, anyway. Got him. <laughs> so the number one dairy food that, that has the highest concentration of calcium per serving is cheese, which has milk. Yes. And, but part of my problem with this answer is that everywhere I looked just said cheese. What kind of cheese? Hmm. My reasoning from that is that I was going to ask you in that process of like what part of milk is cal- is uh, you know the calcium in because calcium is actually a um, heterogeneous mixture. It's not a homogeneous mixture. Right. It's yeah. separated into. We've talked about this before. It's yeah. separated into. The, That's how I know it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the whey and the curd, or you know, there is the fat, the lipophilic, the fat part of the milk, uh-huh. and then there's the water part. So cheese and butter is made and everything. I also actually recently made my own butter. It was great. I still have some in the fridge if you want some. Yeah, I do. Uh, I made truffle butter, too. <laughs> oh, yes. So anyway, uh, I was just wondering if it really stuck to the lipophilic part, the fat content of the milk, or if it stuck to the water. But since you said cheese is better mm-hmm. um, per serving, that means it stuck to the fat because yeah. it's just you take out most of the water when you make cheese. Uh, so the, other, the number two behind cheese was yogurt. Also makes sense because of, once again, separating the curd in the way. And milk clocked in at number three. So when you say that milk is the best for calcium, for <laughs> milk is the best bone for health, uh, or whatever the shit I said, it's actually cheese. Cheese is, is better for you because it has a higher uh, percentage of calcium per serving than milk does. I would say that that would be then a false because cheese is not necessarily milk. It is a milk derivative, but it is not milk. That was my next point, so I can skip it. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> some surprising foods that did make the list. Sardines. Interesting. Yes. Oh, because you eat the spines. Is that it? Probably. I mean, I, I have never tried to debone a sardine. I just pop that thing in and just chew it up. I've also never tried a sardine. They're delicious. Are they real salty? Very. Yeah. But yeah. if you get them in the Louisiana hot sauce, it's great. They have like different... But- t- anything in louisiana hot sauce and it's pretty good fair point but you know there's this one company that has it in like either mustard broth which sounds gross as fuck but uh and they have one in louisiana hot sauce one in olive oil all sorts of stuff sardines are good okay the other one the other two that were surprising to me was razor raisin bran and cornflakes specifically cornflakes i didn't realize it had that much calcium in it I think wheat does have some calcium in the chaff. Um, don't quote me on that one. Don't penalty shot me on that one. But I know that hmm. wheat is a source of calcium. Are we going to allow that? Can you just can you just say <laughs> no penalty shots? Can you just? I mean, it, it's it's like saying timeout. Do we need a council? Do we need a two out of three vote? Is that how we, we majority rule? Can we, can we throw a challenge flag? Hey, <laughs> let me fucking wax poetic. All right. <laughs> and the last one that surprised me: orange juice. Okay. I have seen orange juice and it has that blue label, like Tropicana things is like with, with calcium. Yes. Like, it's like, I, they re, is it that they reinforce it or they're just advertising it? They have it fortified with calcium sometimes. Kind of like how uh, port wine has a little bit extra booze put in there. I think they do that with orange juice. I just thought there would be so much sugar content that they wouldn't even bother advertising with the calcium on there. 
That that it's where my mind went. You my know, there's went. a large group of people that still drink a whole cup of some sort of fruit juice, whether it be apple, orange, grape, or whatever, and think they're doing good for themselves. But really, it's mostly carbohydrates. Quick plug: uh, the documentary "Fed Up," Katie Kirk produced it. I was very skeptical, and it's phenomenal, and it talks very specifically about that problem. Does it about really? uninformed people like go in and they say fruit juices and vitamin water, all these things, and it's like they don't like you really don't have time to really break all that stuff down and it's like how much sugar dominates and how it like needs to be regulated better well that wasn't there a whole lawsuit with somebody suing vitamin water because yeah. it was marketed as and their some... argument and their argument was no reasonable person would think it's healthy yeah yeah <laughs> you know who's the biggest culprit of that honest to god subway subway can when be you, very... when you tell somebody that you're eating subway they're like oh you're eating healthy Subway is garbage. Yeah, Compared to actually, like Burger I think like, King, <laughs> maybe. But the fact <laughs> that you have to make that comparison only proves my point. And it's all about the toppings, too. Yeah. I'm going to say no on the Burger King thing. If you go by proportionality. That's true. If you do like a foot long and mayonnaise and all this stuff on it, yeah. Is there foot longs at Burger King? Talking about, hey, shut up. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that that would be a fun dive in to think about just like how healthy are these different companies that you... We should find a way to cover that as a subject. That'd be really interesting. Yeah. I mean, we kind of did in Tina, in a sense. Yeah, but I'm talking about we should talk about like... But, but very the sugar niche. and yeah. like, yeah, like, yeah, and like health and diet. That'd be interesting. The last episode. report I saw of something like that was technically Taco Bell is the healthiest fast food joint you if can you do go a, to. If you do a, uh, if you do their burritables. And that's the thing. Yeah. They're, it's all conditional. We're getting off topic. Josh, do you have anything else to talk about? Yes, because there have been some studies done to see the effects over a long time of the relation of milk intake to broken bones. Also, death, cancers, and other fun stuff like that. (laughs) But the results were extremely surprising to me. So this is kind of where we were talking about arthritis. It wasn't arthritis that I was referring to. So Please don't say it's leukemia. No. Okay. Well, maybe, but no. (laughs) Oh, no. The results were very surprising for middle-aged and over for women. You're going to say overaged. Well, sure. Why not? Um, every additional glass of milk that every middle-aged woman and older than that drank, they saw an increased risk of hip fractions. Uh, fractures. Fra- thank you. Fractions. <laughs> we don't know how they work. And a 15% increase. A fracture does make a fraction of a bone. There so. we go. Uh, and a 15% increase in death by heart disease. Huh. Oh, plaque buildup. Ah, there you go. Slick. It's not something that I connected the dots on right away. But when I thought about it, I was like, yeah, that makes sense. That's like the number one cause of people having to get a stint. So, I mean, like. Um, but it was only women. Not men. Men did see a 3% increase uh, of with the risk of heart disease with each additional glass. But 15%, I mean, that's that's pretty big. Uh-huh. I mean, that's 15 out of every 100 women. So, I mean, yeah, 85 of them are fine. But 15 of them, that's a pretty large number. That's, uh, that, that is pretty interesting. I would like to see more studies on that of, like, why specifically women are targeted in that sense. And that's the thing. I know heart disease affects more Americans because, I mean, that's where we're from. That affects more Americans than anything else. But I don't know if is it just strictly because of the amount of milk that they're drinking? I mean, I know there are other diets play into it as well. But why why is that such a factor in 15 percent of them? I don't know. But I also do want to say before we wrap this up that, once again, milk is not a normal thing that people should be drinking unless you have a specific tolerance to lactose because 
number one, we're not supposed to be drinking milk after uh, infancy. B, we're not supposed to be, like, we lose our lactose tolerance. It's most people. Like, there's only a small group of people in the world that still have that, mainly of Scandinavian descent, but most people are lactose intolerant, and it's not normal. And it's not, a, it's not human milk. It's cow milk. Yeah. Check out Ryan's uh, Panic and Scramble uh, during our alcohol episode, our alcohol video, where you're like, oh, God, I forgot my lactate. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we were testing, no, no spicy food, peppers. spicy yeah, food. Yeah, yeah. And you were drinking, that's right, because you were doing the... I found some... This is me contrasting everything I just said. Okay. But I was cooking for some recipe. I don't know why I bought it. Oh, it's because it was my birthday and I decided I want to eat a fuck ton of cereal. So I bought some lactose-free milk by Free Range or Free Life, whatever it is, and it was great. It was great to drink milk again and have some cereal. By who? Free I Range? I ate like an entire bo- uh, like box of Lucky Charms that night. Can't you just do like almond milk? Uh, It's not the same, Greg. I know it's not the same. I drink... Fair Neither is lactose-less milk. I drink... It fa- tastes the same. I drink oh, interesting. Fairlife? Fairway? Fairlife? Fair I think life? that's it. I think that was the one. Uh, dude, I, I've been drinking them for years. I swear by them. I cannot taste the difference. People huh. are complicated. I still stand by everything I just the said. lactose or is it not dairy milk? It, they remove the lactose. Huh. So anyway, Josh? That's it. That's it? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on to the next topic, we are going to talk about something that is tangential to our second favorite invasion holiday, Thanksgiving. So we are going to discuss whether... Uh, What's our first what? favorite invasion holiday? Columbus. Ah, uh, okay. So... Right? Am I right? Uh, at me. So, <laughs> so... Such a piece of shit. It turns out we're going to be talking about turkey makes you sleepy. Ob- have we heard this yet? Has everybody heard have, this? Have we really not covered this? We have not. We've been talking about this since okay. like fucking day one. Yeah. To the fact that we want to do a Thanksgiving holiday, and I am just throwing that shit in the garbage can right now because I'm covering the most important topic about it. Or we guess we could do the Plymouth Rock stuff and whatever. We'll talk I, about I, it later. I, I covered that. Doesn't matter. We're not doing the episode. Okay. I'm just saying I covered Plymouth Rock. So the idea is that uh, on this most famous of gorging holidays, we eat turkey and become extremely tired afterwards because of a certain chemical known as tryptophan that is highly president, president, present inside of turkey. President tryptophan. <laughs> president tryptophan. Sounds like a Hunger Games thing. I, I'm not sure I'm okay with his <laughs> policies, but so uh, <laughs> let's dig into this, shall we? So tryptophan is the supposed culprit of this claim. And it is a component of serotonin, which is a very, very, very important uh, chemical that takes place in almost all of human activity and consciousness. It is very present in our brain and is responsible for... Very present in our brain? Yes, very present. And it is responsible for several different neural activities, including our mood. So uh, that's that's why they have serotonin... uh, SSRIs, the reuptake inhibitors. So in several other different famous drugs are really analogs of serotonin where they have a bunch of different little bits added to them. Tryptophan's no different. As a matter of fact, tryptophan breaks down into another famous chemical known as melatonin. Are you guys aware of melatonin? Yeah, and what I, it have, does? I have some in my, my car right now. And uh, as a person that probably needs it, what does it do for you? What uh, is the general understanding of melatonin? This, is, this isn't trapping you. No, 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 no. Um, it helps me sleep. Yeah, okay. I've used it before. And it's not that it makes you sleepy, but when you're trying to go to sleep, your body produces it, melatonin and it and aids, it facilitates, right? Yes. Thank you. That that's, is a very, that's a good pointer to what I was that, going to lead into. Yeah, I wasn't trying to correct you, but like, no, that was no, like no. a, because like a lot of things, it's, it's, um, 
especially in like these over the counter stuff, there's a difference between kind of like there's an active ingredient that makes you sleepy versus. Yeah, I take it when I go to work. Melatonin is not necessarily sleeping pills. Yeah, because I want to sleep at work. That's why. It's not. <laughs> it's not sleeping pills. Just take Benadryl for that. No, I know, but I'm saying like I don't. I don't get long sleeps at work. So when I do, I want to make them count. So I want to go to sleep easier. And when I get when I do get into sleep, I want it to count. So melatonin is very helpful for different types of workforces, particularly shift work and airline pilots. Yeah. And shift work is because you cannot get a regular sleep schedule unless you're two on, two off, and you are able to get those three days in where you can kind of work your way into sleeping at a certain time or you're an airline pilot where time zones don't make a fucking difference because you're all over the world and doesn't the sun is all over the place mm-hmm. what melatonin does is it regulates your rem sleep your rapid eye movement which is where you get the most restfulness out of it mm-hmm. you can if you take melatonin there is a positive correlation to increased rem sleep where you have the most reparative work and the most restfulness of, associated with it as opposed to uh, just going into not, I think the Delta cycles is REM sleep. So sidebar, I've heard that um, part of the reason when you better, dr- it does not help you get to sleep. Sure, but I've heard that when you are drunk, it makes it a lot harder for your body to go into REM sleep. Is that is that? I know it's kind of tangential, but like, and that's part of the reason why you don't get restful sleep. Research that- has suggested that. Okay. I was just curious. I, I I just vaguely remembered that. There are a plethora of other reasons why a hangover is as bad as it is, but that's one of them. <laughs> Um, it, it's really, it's a restfulness co- uh, chemical more than a sleepiness chemical. So what you're saying, correlation is not causation. Yes. Gotcha. It has something to do with, it's one of the cogs in the, in the whole system. Right. But it's not necessarily a sleepiness. Thing. That, and that's what I was saying. When I don't get as much sleep, I want it to count. So that's why I take it. Yes. Uh, but it can help you get to bed a little, in general, a little bit faster in terms of, you get into a, you kind of bypass those early states in to get to REM faster. Now, Ryan, little behind the curtains here, uh, I've been told this at work, and every time I do, I, I get told this. I think of you. How easy is it for me just to close my eyes and go to sleep mid conversation? What? <laughs> yeah, I I can literally just close my eyes mid conversation and go to sleep. I've never seen you do that. But oh, you've oh, I remember many times as a kid, you yelling at me, being like, "How the fuck are you asleep?" Because we're mid conversation, and I'm just I'm out. I'm done. At one point, I thought you just had some condition where you snored while awake, but um, <laughs> that wouldn't surprise me. But um, so let's go with this assumption that yes, it, let's just say tryptophan can make you a little bit sleepier, right? Okay. So let's say it, it aids in it. It might be a placebo effect to some extent. There's something there. <laughs> Gives me the itis. Let's say yeah, the itis I really <laughs> wanted to get into, but there is not enough research into the itis except for what I'm about to talk about that might feed into that. Did you Google the itis? Tryptophan. It, yes, I did. <laughs> Tryptophan is actually a sort of, uh, it is a culprit in getting you to sleep and like, you know, kind of just knocking you out. Now, okay. Let me ask you this, because this is what I'm thinking, and, and I don't mean to sound stupid. Tryptophan, correct? Mm-hmm. Is that at all related to dimethyltryptamine? Uh, dimethyltryptamine. Tryptamine, sorry, yes. DMT. Yeah, uh, I mean they are both. They both have serotonin as their basic structure. That's what same I'm. Same thing for psilocybin. Same thing for I want to say THC has a uh, serotonin base in it. Greg, can you look that one up for me? And uh, as I'm going on with that, let's go with the basic assumption that tryptophan can make you sleepy for all intents and purposes. The reason why tryptophan is the main culprit and therefore turkey is because there is something called the blood-brain barrier, which allows amino acids, which is a wide group of chemicals mm-hmm. in uh, you know general biology, 
um, to pass through to the brain as kind of like a fast pass if you were to go in Disney terms. There's been a recent study I saw with the country of Mexico not having as many amino acids inside the population. What? Yeah, they're called amigo acids. Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> I know, kill me. So I'm I. There's a lot of articles. There's I need to really go in depth, but I'm seeing a lot of articles about the link between THC and serotonin. Okay. <clears throat> so let's assume that these are all semi-related. I'm gonna get kicked off this podcast. No, it's fine. I, uh, the fact that you made me say, "Oh my god," I, I like it. It's fine. <laughs> so it turns out that there is a different culprit that might be responsible for this happening, or at least in tangent, it's kind of a partner in crime with tryptophan. And that is none other than our buddies, carbohydrates. Yeah, so that's honestly where my mind first went. The way that some chemicals can get through, as I said, DMT goes straight through the blood-brain barrier. If we want to talk, if we want to go Joe Rogan on this, um, that's why it works so fast. If you are to take something like if you're to smoke DMT, you trip so fast because it just goes straight through the blood-brain barrier, and they think it's because of endogenous. You ever smoked DMT before? I, I was just thinking it. So. Carbs, carbohydrates actually trigger insulin release in the body that pulls amino acids from your blood, except for a few chemicals, one of them including tryptophan. Huh. So tryptophan pretty much has this as if it wasn't already a fast pass. They also have the handicap pass, too. And then you just go straight through. Huh. And with that thought form, that thought process, name a few Thanksgiving dishes. Sweet potatoes. Carbohydrates. Uh, Stuffing. Carbohydrates. Beets. Carbohydrates. Bears. That's not a Thanksgiving deal. Uh, Dishes. uh, uh, Mashed potatoes. Name it. Fucking everything except Green bean casserole. Yes. All of those things have a massive amount of carbohydrates in them. Absolutely. That kind of just like immediately streamline that insulin release to get that tryptophan working in your brain faster. Why do you think I show up in sweatpants and a sleeping bag? Yeah, that's actually a very good... <laughs> you know, we should just have sleeping pants where it's like a sleeping... It's like sweatpants that pull up into a sleeping bag so you can just like lay down wherever the fuck you want. It's like around the wristbands. It's yeah. like a belt that yeah. turns into a sleeping bag. I'm, I'm all for it. So it's this in tandem thing where you, you can't just, take it. That's us. You can't take that. It's the general gluttony of it. And this also includes Christmas dinner because, I mean, I think most fan, I, not most, I don't know. I'm going by mine. Mine too. Mine too. Involved in their Christmas dinner. Mine too. Yeah. But the whole thing with them saying turkey has so much tryptophan in it is the reason why. Yeah. So if you want to blame turkey a little bit, I wouldn't, I would say it's a culprit, but not exactly the mastermind of making you sleepy after a meal. So you think the bigger thing is the carbohydrates? Biggest thing is carbohydrates yeah. that allow the tryptophan to pass through as fast as it does. Secondly, a lot of people are drinking booze during Thanksgiving dinner. That automatically makes you sleepy too. Yeah, that's fair. It's a lot of factors working into there. But we're also going to talk about other foods that contain tryptophan. And guess what? Turkey does not have the highest content of tryptophan in it. What does? I pulled up a list of that. Okay. One, seeds and nuts. This includes, number one, chia seeds is the highest, but most people, unless you're in like some sort of like ultra earth muffin, sorry if I offended by saying that, uh, family that just likes to have like a very wholesome Thanksgiving meal, chia seeds is one of those. But also we have things like uh, sunflower seeds. Yeah. Walnuts. Pecans, uh, that goes on top of uh, what's it called the 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 casserole, the yams and the sweet, and sweet potato, potato casserole. casserole. Yeah, yeah, you can nice. put some pecans on there. That makes it that really tops it right there. And can we all be pecan like, pie? Can we all establish that it's pecan, not pecan? Yes. Okay, thank you. So just say pecan from now on. Okay, it yeah. sounds it's faster to say. 
And then that that's number one. Second one, soy products, which guess what? Soy's in almost all the food you're eating. Soy boys. Yes, we've talked about that one already. I'm not even gonna I'm not even gonna entertain that one. Uh, number three in the list of highest uh, tryptophan content, cheeses. Cheddar cheese per gram has more uh, tryptophan in it than turkey by a large factor. It could also help with your bones. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then fourth, what do you think it's going to be? It's not turkey. It's red meats. I was going to say, yeah, okay. It's red meats that actually have a higher tryptophan content in them. So there, turkey takes number five in the spot right next to seafood. So I, oh, okay. it's kind of just like okay. uh, this false culprit that is not really the issue there. So eat as much turkey as you want if you're worried about getting you know tired. It's really just, you know, kind of pull back a little bit on the mashed potatoes. Maybe not have six bread rolls. Maybe four would be a reasonable one. Unless it's Hawaiian bread, then eat your heart out. I'm not going to tell anybody to not eat an abundant amount of cheese because it's just so amazing. Yeah. And also, it's a, it's a low lactose tolerance, especially if you're the content, if you're eating like a, a low... Uh, moisture cheese, like all the hard cheeses, that's what you want. Yeah. So, uh, no, I'm gonna say a trick to, uh, that turkey alone does not make you sleepy. Where does mushrooms fall on that spectrum? I did not see mushrooms in that range. Mushroom is high in MSG along with uh, tomatoes, mm-hmm. but in terms of tryptophan, can't give you an accurate number on that. The one. The only reason I'm thinking is because you talk about soy products, so I start thinking like tofu and other because you get into like your meats, your turkeys, and things like that, and seafood. So I'm thinking of those meat alternatives, and mushroom typically like if you want a hamburger and you're a vegetarian. I, or vegan, I don't remember which one. I'm sorry, whoever I'm not including here, or if I'm including both, whatever. I'm sorry. Non meat eaters. Uh, they give you like a portobello mushroom, so I don't know if it'd give you some of the same effects as like eating meat. I cannot back that one up whatsoever, but I will say that in terms of all the burger alternatives, I would say that a large portobello mushroom is the best one to go with. Yeah, I, I like that more than the black bean burger. Or like the alternative burger and stuff like that, the tofu burger. I think just a nice portobello mushroom. That is the uh, non-meat world steak. I have had a beet burger and I really enjoyed it. I have not tried that. Yeah. There's a local food truck around here that does one and it's real good. Okay. Well, it's not one of them foreign food trucks. (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) Build the road barrier. So, God. That's a good one. Uh, Josh, let's move on before I dig a hole any deeper. The next topic that I'm going to cover is the five-second rule. Y'all have heard this, I'm sure. My idea of it is that if you drop food in the ground, you won't get sick or catch any bacteria. You pick it up within five seconds. I've also heard the three-second rule. Or just quick enough. And then if you really like the food, it can extend to the ten-second rule. Well, funny you bring that up because I remember the, the joke from Waiting with Dane Cook when he's the ironic cook. And he drops it on the ground, and Luis Guzman goes, five, uh, five second rule, five second rule. And he starts counting out loud, and Dane Cook's trying to get it, and he picks it up, and he puts it back on the plate, and he snaps the tongs back at him, and he goes, almost had a switch to the 10 second rule. Sad part is, it is scary how fucking accurate waiting is. Oh, absolutely. Which was also filmed locally in New Orleans. Hmm. Whoop, whoop. Yeah, it was at the old Bennigan's on Veterans. Fun Bennigan. Yeah, I used to go there all the time. Uh, so the what fact- is that now? The new Bennigans. <laughs> yeah, let's just go with that answer. <laughs> yeah, nothing I say is going to be better. So uh, so the fact of the matter is that people have heard some iteration of this rule, but 
I don't think people really follow it, right? Like, I don't think that's a real thing people believe, or maybe I'm just naive. Oh, no. People definitely follow that. You think so? Like, you think they're like, oh, yeah, no, really, it's within five seconds, it's good. If you've gone through a lifetime of nobody telling you any different and people just saying that as a joke and you still adhere by it from, like, grade school, you really underestimate the ability for people to not question anything. And I think that people still (laughs) go by the five-second rule. Huh? Okay, you said that, not me. I had a tickle. It was the, the beer. Shout out Mike from Jackson Trades for the wonderful beer that he gave us. <laughs> I, I'll give that plug. Also, I'm going to steal a sip of Greg's. Yeah. So the the fact of the matter here is like with me personally, if I'm eating something and it falls on the floor and I really want it, I'm picking that up and putting it in my mouth hole. Unless I it, definitely consider where it fell. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, interestingly enough, I'm glad you bring that up because that also plays a factor into uh, what foods you should or should not eat if it I falls think on the floor. It, I think it goes by locale. If I were to drop a lollipop that uh, happened to have fallen at the bottom of my car, which is disgusting, um, I would not pick that up and, and eat that. If it was a piece of popcorn that fell in my den, that's fine. If it was anything yeah. that fell in the bathroom, probably not going to do it. Um, I'm trying to think of other places where that rule just goes out the window. Do you eat in the bathroom? What? You eat in the bathroom? Do you not? I mean... I'm just kidding. Actually, I do not eat in the bathroom. (laughs) I mean, hot dogs are portable for a reason. You can bring them in any room. (laughs) Are you still talking about food? I mean, whatever you want, bro. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry, that was... There was was a scientist uh, whose name was Julian Clark. She did a study that determined different foods were found to be significantly contaminated even with just a brief exposure to a piece of tile inoculated with E. coli. Oh, yeah. Have you heard about this? Uh, I, I have seen it uh, firsthand. It wasn't with E. coli. It was salmonella. Uh, one of the labs that I used to work at, somebody that was required, we did testing for E. coli, salmonella, coliforms, yeah, anything yeah, yeah. like that. It was just, you know, the regular blotting. Somebody decided he was too hot shot to do proper safety measures, and he gave himself salmonella with the chicken sample. <laughs> I mean, safety first, bro. Because he was using a standard of... Sa- we literally had live salmonella in the lab to compare to a non-salmonella sample. Oh, you keep it living. Yeah, I mean, you have to. I, I was going to say, it makes sense. So huh. anyway. She also found that there was no significant evidence of contamination on public flooring, which that was interesting to me. I mean... Just because people walk on something doesn't mean that it's automatically going to be dirty. I mean, but there's that notion in your brain, though. Yeah. I mean, think of virology or bacteriology where usually things like viruses or bacteria are looking for a food source to thrive with. Right. And when it comes to something like just a brick road, there's not much to thrive on right there. So the chance is lower as opposed to, say, a piece of meat that you left out of the fridge for too long. So that's the interesting thing that I'm glad you went with that example because my my brain goes to like eating popcorn and it falls on the ground at the mall. You know, something like that. Not necessarily something like movie theater. Let's go with that. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. So like if I have a piece of popcorn and it falls on the ground, like I'm I'm not eating that because it fell on the movie theater floor because they're gross and icky and sticky. Not going to lie. I have picked up popcorn from the ground of my house and popped it right back in my mouth. The movie theater. I would not do that. You know. I have to agree. I've also dropped popcorn on your floor and picked it up and put it in my mouth as well. I'm glad you respect my house's cleanliness. <laughs> she uh, she actually, uh, this woman, Jillian Clark, she actually won a Nobel Prize in 2004 for this research. Okay. An Ig Nobel Prize. Oh, well, Ig Nobel Prize <laughs> is still more something. interesting than Nobel Prizes at this point. I think they're way more fun. Yeah. I like. 
I don't know. I'm not trying to discredit Nobel Prizes because there are, you know, amazing feats in technology and science and all that other fun stuff. But Nobel Prize is like, they're cool. I mean, I don't know. It's not something you see every day. Yeah. And it recognizes those people who are doing things that are important in their own way. It's just not as uh, as far, you know, far reaching. Yeah. It's it's not to be confused with the Pignable Prizes, which is for bad science. Pignable Prizes is solid science. It's just for really left field like what the hell were you researching that for type of uh, studies so i did also find a separate study that found um bacteria was able to thrive for 28 days even under dry conditions so bacteria was present nothing was able to contaminate or whatever it was just dry and it was able to still be bacteria and not die off. That's almost like extremophile level right there. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. And it, um, they even further tested the bacteria after eight hours of exposure with bread and bologna. Bologna? Jesus. Oh, bologna. Bologna. Whatever you want to say. <laughs> uh, and it was still absorbed. It still absorbed the bacteria in under five seconds. Even oh. after all that time. Okay. That's crazy to me. I guess it also depends on the medium. I mean, what kind of... It was bologna specifically they dropped, huh? Bologna and bread. Okay, so bread's a little bit more surprising for me, but it still would have a moisture content. Well, that, I really think it, it relies on something like... I was just going to talk about Something sticky it. versus like, you know, a jawbreaker that has not been licked yet. Right. So if you... Like watermelon, I think, is a really good example. It's something that's wet. It's moist. Sorry if you hate that word, but, you know, it's not the same as like... Did you just give a trigger warning for the word moist? I know a lot of people don't like that word. Um but it's it, you know it's not the same as like you said like a draw jawbreaker or like a gummy bear or something like that you know it's it's gonna be more absorbent of that bacteria because bacteria doesn't have legs it doesn't like walk over and jump on top of it or anything like that it follows the path of least resistance so when it's wet it can just slide on over and get in you know latch onto that watermelon or whatever you know wet wetter substance it may be not only to mention the fact that most of the time if you have a sticky substance it's because of sugar content which is what bacteria would love yeah well that makes total sense yeah uh so when it comes to the five second rule i I guess i kind of I didn't think that it was something that was as widely followed as maybe Ryan's making it out to be. So I guess never, not that I didn't take it seriously, but I just figured most people would be like, yeah, it's total bullshit. That's not a real thing. But um, the science backs it up. You know, the science says that if something is dropped on the ground, it's going to absorb some sort of bacteria in some capacity. I also, not to get gross or say this should be any sort of kitchen policy, think that the five second rule is also a factor that would be really in the process of being negated or not. Like, for instance, if you were to drop a piece of meat on a kitchen floor, even if it's like, you know, spotless clean, you could have general policy, and according to the FDA and any other regulatory agency, would say you should probably throw that away. Mm-hmm. However, if you were to cook it for hot enough and long enough, like, for instance, sous vide to the point of pasteurization, or even on a grill or, you know, flame roast it, that will kill any surface bacteria that you have on there. Absolutely. Now... On the flip side of that, it's not always the bacteria that's deadly. It is the waste material of the bacteria that's that deadly. I want you to think about that next time we're, we're having a crawfish boil and you just throw that paddle on the ground on the grass. Um, We're not licking the it paddle. Do, it does dip back into a boil. <laughs> yes. that's it. Thank you, Greg. Fucking but, thank you. But, but you're not. But just like you said, it's not the grass that we're worried about. It's the other decomposition that's I'll occurring. I'll go inside and eat some grass Fair. right now. I'll eat some grass right now. <laughs> You're going to fight me on that one? No, I won't because I really will. 
So uh, the last thing I do want to bring up that I found interesting, kind of coming full circle here. Oddly enough, carpet absorbed less bacteria than steel or tile. What? Yeah. That is so weird to me. Uh, it, it makes sense when you think about it because carpet prevents it from moving back and forth like tile or steel will. Mm-hmm. But you still get all those fuzzies and gross things on it. Yeah, I think that that's a texture versus what actual pathogens I'm picking up. Yeah, it, it totally is. I'm much more inclined to eat a piece of popcorn off of a wooden floor than a carpet floor. It's extremely unfortunate that carpet happens to have the same uh, mouthfeel to a pube than a regular piece of hair. So, I mean. <laughs> that's, that's a good point. Yeah, I mean, so that's all I have on the five-second rule. But it was interesting. It was fun reading about it and, and and learning that, according to Ryan, some people follow it much more religiously than others. But, yeah. I've heard time. it unironically. Yeah. I mean, now that I think about it, you're probably right. So. All right. So my topic is going to be a quick and short one. We're going to talk about whether salted ice lowers temperature or, in another situation of this topic, uh, melts ice on roads. So Okay, okay, okay. That's kind of a way to work it in. It has nothing to do with us here because we never have a situation like that. But I remember specifically, I think this is why I may have brought this topic up, is because of this little thing in uh, middle school where we would like mm-hmm. put salt on your hand and mm-hmm. then put ice on it and yep. it would, like quote unquote, burn you. Yep. And also, there is the whole thing of you have uh, lots of northern states and just about anywhere else in the world that's not us we, or along the They do this in Virginia. During, in Charlottesville, this would happen. Um, they, they, uh, they would salt the roads. Uh, it was rare, but there, I remember the year of the snowpocalypse, quote, unquote, that polar vortex in like 2011, 2010. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they salted the roads and then they blew through like 60% of it. A big snowstorm didn't come, and then when the big one came later, they didn't have nearly enough. Oh, because okay. <laughs> <laughs> Charlottesville doesn't keep that much because it's not. It's not. A it big snows, problem. Yeah. but it's not a big snow place. Black ice everywhere. It's a lot of black ice. Oh, you wanna? Uh, you wanna? And not- that is a real, and it'll ruin your day. <laughs> uh, now, when I think of black ice, I think of what you said about the uh, the Home Alone tidbit. Yep, about, I had a really awkward story. It real quick. I went to lunch with my mother and Carlene recently and I'm going to regret saying this but it was seriously out of a ser- it was completely innocent we were talking about like how cold it was on my birthday if you want you could tell this story and say I went to lunch with someone recently if you if you no, it's not even it. no it's, okay. it's, it's, <laughs> it's all on me okay um, we, we were talking about like how up North and everything how you were, we were talking about skidding and everything and like you know how there was the one like last year there was one day where there was ice on the roads and everything. And mm-hmm. we were talking about the concept of just like black ice. And then at one point I said, yeah, yeah. Black ice can be scary. And then I see somebody in front of me who happened to be an African American gentleman. Look at me with really weird eyes. And I said, Oh fuck. What have I done? <laughs> because I spoke too fast. It's not like black guys. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I, my, I wanted to fucking die when when you said black guys. I was like, Mister T, or like Ice Cube. Like, what did I? I was trying to figure it out. Then we said I spoke too quickly. Like, I got ah, it. I got it. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Unfortunate. Whoopsies. I'm not proud of it. It just it happened, and it was. It, 
Anyway, moving on to this. That's one of the situations. If you try to explain it, there's like there's, there's just, no way. There's no. You're like, the oh best no, thing I didn't you can do stop disengage. and talk to him afterwards and be like, no, I swear I wasn't. <laughs> no, like, do you just go? I love you, people. Yeah, yeah. Do you just go? Just pull a full Ross. Perot. I think at that point you just go. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and then you tighten your red hat. <laughs> just sorry. Yep. Sorry. All right. So the idea of this myth that, you know, salted ice lowers temperature, quote unquote, which is kind of a vague term in general, is not that founded. It's kind of a yes and no. So the where this comes from is the fact that do you, can you guys figure out how this might work at all? So kind of going back to season one of Rumor Flies, you know, we're in season seven. So that was six years ago by my math. Uh, we talked about salt. Uh, raising the boiling point of water, uh, the temperature yeah, for like baking pasta and stuff. Right? So yeah, so that's kind of where my mind's going. You have a good lead. It's actually in the converse though. Not only does salt uh, raise the boiling point, and I, I didn't even remember you were, we talked about that. But yes, this is the opposite side of that. Yeah, I so figured water at its most pure, no impurities, no minerals, no nothing like that. Like distilled water will freeze at 32 degrees Fahrenheit, 0 degrees Celsius, uh, Celsius and I think 212 Kelvin. Thank you. Don't quote me on that one. We're going to go with Fahrenheit and Celsius. So, however, when you add things to a mixture of water, it can add impurities that will give some of their properties to it. As, for instance, sodium chloride, common table salt, mm -hmm. will actually raise the boiling point, as you said, mm -hmm. and then it will also... Lower the freezing point yeah. of water. Yeah. So. I'm on board. Saying that a lower the temperature is disingenuous. What it does is that it lowers the temperature that water will actually freeze. So when people are salting roads, what they're doing is they are preventing any other damage from happening from for ice buildup. Yeah. Any other water that might collect after a little bit of thawing or after more rain that will prevent it from freezing at a higher temperature. Hmm. It is a preventative measure as opposed to a... Proactive one? Yes. It's not melting the ice by any means. It's preventing more ice from building up at that temperature. That's fair. Okay. The same way that that's I... saying, it does not lower temperature when you, you salt something. Like, uh, for instance, what is you what in the food context of this is that a lot of people say, if you have a beer cooler, throw some salt on the ice. What you're really supposed to be doing is you are supposed to be salting that water that the beer is going into. Mm. And also by that matter, beer is not pure water. It's going to freeze at a lower temperature than freezing point for water. Have you had Coors Light? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've seen the cans. <laughs> um, Silver so bullet. Really, uh, this is a pretty quick one. But no, it does not lower the temperature or anything. It does not melt the ice yeah, conversely, it just makes it harder for that water to freeze if it has salt mixed into it. So let me ask you this then. Would you say salting of roads as something that's helpful helpful or more harmful? It's definitely helpful. Yeah, okay. I, I, that's where I land It's as helpful well. for this reason. At night, usually is when they salt the roads. From what I've seen, Greg, can you back me up on that one? Yeah, usually. I mean, they don't want to do it during the day when the cars are active. They're going to pull it all up. Right. Yes. So the reason why they would do this is because when you salt this ice, the sun comes up 
and a little bit of heat radiation goes mm-hmm. onto the road and it melts some of that ice and in that process incorporates some of the salt into it and it becomes salt water. Therefore, next time a freeze would potentially happen, it's much harder for that water to refreeze. It's also terrible for your car. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. I learned that when I lived in Dallas. Explain. Like, what's terrible for your car? The salted salt. Salts, yeah. Salt on metal. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, there is that. But hopefully you're not like, you know. No, if up- you live in the Midwest, it's a real problem. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. No, it's a problem. And um, if you live in these areas that are salting regularly. Agent, so. it's, yeah, it happens a lot in areas that have to salt a lot. And it happens a lot on like um, islands that have salt water and it's all in the air. Um, that If you're just perpetually exposed to it and it's your car is just getting regularly. Yeah, it is. If your car is just regularly, the lifespan of it drops dramatically. Interesting. Okay. I did not know that part. But um, so in the food aspect of it, yes, it can keep your beers cooler, but it's not because it is lowering the temperature or anything like that. It's just stopping you from potentially having to have a beer stuck in your ice chest mm-hmm. at that point. Um, and also, like I said, uh, with ice, it gets to 32 degrees. Ice does not get like any lower. Than, yeah. Well, actually, that's a, that's a lot. But I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. It allows for a more free flowing type of uh, cooling system. At a lower temperature. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm going to say this myth is false. And also the reason why, like going back to that hand thing that I was talking about, like putting salt in your hand and putting ice on, is because it can open up your skin to frostbite much faster. Yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a fair point. Okay. So, uh, Josh, how about you round us out for tonight? Last topic we're going to cover in our food episode of season seven, because I almost gave a timestamp and I want to do that. Emergency. Uh, we were hashing out um, my last topic before we, we recorded this episode, and I think it was Greg. You brought up emergency. Mm-hmm. And so do you have any background with uh, any research into this? Emergent hyphen C. Yeah. So from sorry. articles I've read in the past, I did not do the research for this. So let's no. be clear. But yeah. articles I've read in the past. Um, let me be clear. Let me be clear. Um, so uh, we all get along. Yeah. Uh, so the uh, he pointed at me when you did it. Uh, um, so the the well, you got to give that that Obama thumb finger. Yes, yeah, you, you knuckled at me. Yeah, you gotta you gotta gotta make sure you and you emphasize, folks. You turn turn your president, folks. You know, we're all Americans. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> so so the uh, sorry, I just I love doing my Obama impression. So the the long and short of it is that. Vitamin C, from what I understand, Mm -hmm. does help boost your immune system. It does not help if you're already sick necessarily, although your immune system is part of the process. It's kind of a like, not too little, too late, but it is not as useful. It's not a treatment. It's a preventative measure. Yeah. And then it like kind of helps when you're sick, but not in the same way. Same thing Um, like salt And there is absolutely, not even (laughs) diminishing returns, like most vitamins and most anything, um, vitamin C especially, in excess, you piss it out. It doesn't, uh, it, it, you take emergency, it is massively overkill. Um, I've heard that orange juice is the best. I've heard that pineapple juice is better than orange juice. Uh, there's all these different things. But basically, my takeaway is emergency is overkill. Even the owner thinks it's overkill. And that vitamin C is a good preventative, but not a cure by any stretch of the imagination. And only not very related. If we do another drug episode, maybe we'll throw this in the docket. But apparently, you can abort a trip by taking an excess amount of vitamin C. 
you can what they just said a trip like they didn't say acid or oh, I have heard that no, I have heard that yeah Although they say get, it's although also a niacin flush or something that'd but, be interesting I'm not oh yeah I've heard it also a bunch of vitamin C is used for like uh, beating drug tests I've heard that too yeah continue Josh. anyway vitamin C is a regularly uh mythologized substance. Well, guys, I think we found our next video segment. <laughs> we are going to fucking Drop overdose it or drink a bunch of orange juice. <laughs> I have an orange tree in my backyard. We're going to have an orange eating competition. Sir, sir, we're in Louisiana. We're going to eat Satsumas. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that one's for you, Davis. I have a Satsuma tree too. <laughs> I know. I love it. So the, the whole thing about emergency, if for those of you who don't know, is it's a powdered supplement containing high doses of B vitamins as well as vitamin C reportedly to improve your immune system and your energy levels. I thought that was interesting, the little tidbit about your energy levels. So the resulting, uh, you mix it with water, basically. It's kind of like tang. Y'all, y'all know tang. It's tang with a bitter tinge to it. Yeah, I, I imagine, like, I don't think I'm dating myself by saying tang right that's pretty well known huh um i let's say yes okay um it provides more vitamin c with one thing of emergency emergency than 10 oranges so yes greg you are correct it does provide more vitamin c than pineapple juice or i can't say pineapple juice than oranges uh specifically whether or not it actually helps colds that has yet to be proven that it does. That's a glaring fault in the product in itself right there. Yes, because that's that's how it is marketed, at least from everyone that I know that takes it. Oh, man, I'm feeling bad. I'm going to take some emergency, and, and that's going to help me out. Now, the most common <laughs> verbiage I've used pertaining to vitamin C is, I'm going to put some of this Pedialyte so I don't feel like shit in the morning. Oh, yeah, I've definitely yeah. tried it. Okay. So yeah, the whether or not it helps fight colds, I, there's there's been nothing to prove that, and I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself when I say that. So I'll get to that in a second. But there was a 2013 review of a placebo-controlled trial that found taking vitamin C supplements regularly d- did not stop most people from getting a cold. Interesting. But the risk of getting the cold was cut in half. And people who were exposed to short periods of extreme physical stress, such as marathon runners and skiers. So there's a couple variables at, in play there. So you can't just point strictly to vitamin C. So while well, I'm, I'm doing my due diligence and bringing that up to, to show that it's not targeted specifically at vitamin C. There's other factors that that um, that attribute to it as well. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to bring up, too, is that researchers found some some of them found that regularly taking vitamin C supplements did slightly reduce the duration of cold symptoms in an ordinary person. But the 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 all encompassing thing here when it comes to emergency itself is that they're all these studies are all done on various components of emergency not the mixture itself because it's got vitamin B, it's got vitamin C, it's got zinc, and it's got a couple other things in there. But the big thing is that it has a thousand, I believe the number is a thousand milligrams of vitamin C. You can just call it a gram. Shut up, Ryan. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So there are no clinical published trials that's that are on the supplement itself, but kind of swinging back to what Greg mentioned in the beginning, when he talked about it being overkill, Two grams 
is the I was going to say 2000 milligrams, but whatever, Ryan, fuck you. Uh, that is the recommended dose. And if you go over that, you get kidney stones. Oh, so that's one of the big problems. So if you just keep pounding emergencies over and over again, it it's you're going to suffer. So I was just thinking about that. I, I think there are different forms of kidney stones made from different things, but I, I didn't know vitamin C was a big factor in that. Well, yeah. So it makes me think of like, I guess this is just me being stupid, but, um, you yes. know, I hear that like soft drinks are a big proponent in you getting kidney stones. Yes, I've heard that as well. I'm wondering if like Sprite versus Coke makes a difference, but I think that the Sprite is stripped of any nutrition nutritional value and it's just literally the lemon lime flavor and no actual lemon lime components in there. So. Yeah. Uh, so I guess I, I should just shoot that one down right from the get go. Well, I, I, but when Greg mentioned earlier that, you know, the, the best way to get vitamin C out is you just you pee it out. So no, you that would make sense. Out in an extremely exactly. painful way. Wow. Oh man, I I never I, I didn't even connect the dots on that. Uh, I luckily, I no knock on wood, have never had a kidney connect stone. Connect the rocks. I'll allow it. Stretch. I'll allow it. <clears throat> I've I've never had a kidney stone, so I sympathize with those with those of you who have. I can't imagine what that's like. So if you have a kidney stone problem, don't drink emergency. <laughs> that's what I'm going to leave it with. Um, so let, let's go back and let's recap this food episode because when we were going through all of them, I was thinking, I don't know if we had a single one that was outright completely true. I know if we get into the semantics of it, it might be true, it might be false, but okay, let's start with allergy resistance with honey. Yeah. No, straight up not true. There is n- not a decent connection between allergen resistance locally with local honey. Milk is best for bone health, not the best bone for your body. Um, <laughs> I'll put that as true. If we're going to say something that's non-processed, maybe. So when you get into dairy products, it's used with cheeses and yogurt, which have the highest calcium intake. But, but I mean, I, that's where I'm, I'm, I'm kind of leaning towards the true because it's, Dairy products are so rich in calcium. I can see that argument because it's made from milk. So technically. Yeah. Epso facto kind of thing. So I would put true. Would you would you lean true as well, Ryan? I'll give it a true. Greg? Just because we didn't find anything that's not milk related that's better than milk. Right. Sure. Turkey makes you sleepy. Uh, I I would go with the false on that one. If you're going to say that's like the main course that makes you that that's responsible for getting sleepy. No, I don't think it's that. If you have cheese and any other sort of uh, dish, if you have red meat, if you have any sort of being full and drunk. Yeah. Well, oh, yeah, there's the alcohol there. I didn't emphasize too much the fact that people are fucking (laughs) getting drunk at Thanksgiving dinner. Help. I don't exactly have the same views as most of my family, so I get drunk to deal with it. So um, You're forgetting another major factor and contributing to alcohol during Thanksgiving. What? First off, people are off the the following day, so that's another reason to drink. But also, football. People crack a beer and watch the game. Yeah. Okay. Very fair. I feel like the Saints always play on Thanksgiving Day. No, that's the Cowboys. Cowboys always play. Okay. Always. Okay. Every year. Uh, The five-second rule. That's not true. That's not a real thing. Uh, this one is my first. If the this is the closest thing to a technicality that it could be true. The salted ice lowers temperature. It lowers freezing temperature. I would say it it's misunderstanding not. why we use ice. I think that's I mean, a good salt, way of putting sorry. it. Yeah, it's better to prevent. Uh, it's good for icy roads where it stops ice from forming faster. 
And but in terms of actually like you salt some ice and all of a sudden the ice is going to get colder. No, that's not the case. So I think the the context of it is they're going to salt the road. So that's going to help things out. If that's your intention, that I don't, I don't have any problem saying that's true. If you're looking to get your brewskis colder and you have an ice chest full of ice and tons of beer, throwing a bag of salt in there will not make anything colder. Yeah. It will not artificially lower the temperature. You have to have the external sources to do that. Right. And I would, I that would say that's false. That is the important thing to say right yeah. there. That yeah. part, the food aspect of it right there is false. It will not lower the temperature of an ice chest. It will allow it to get to a lower temperature without complete freezing. Mm-hmm. Okay, so where so where where would you fall in that? Let let rumor flies gun to your head. Let's bring it out the season. False, false. Yeah, I think because we're not talking about ice roads right now. I know we talked about it. I a know, bit, but I know. I, I guess I think in that's, the context, no. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and imag- emergency really works, and it helps prevent colds. No, that's not true. Just because there's been no studies to prove it, so I'm going to say it's false because there's nothing that has told me otherwise. Okay, so. For this episode, oh, well, actually, Greg, how can people reach us? <laughs> Don't. All right. For this episode of Rumor Flies, I am patreon.com slash rumor flies, Twitter at rumor flies, rumorfliespodcast.com. So far, so good. Uh, Instagram at rumor flies. Mm-hmm. And then I am. We're on Spurtifer. Uh, yeah, we're, we're on, on Spotify, Spotify and wherever, you, wherever else you find your podcast. Just uh, Google us and we'll be there. And I am pretty proud you, of that. And I am Facebook.com slash Flies Josh. <laughs> You're a liar. <laughs> um, so I am Ryan. I am Josh. I am Greg. Goodbye. Goodbye.